I am not a fisherman. Most of my fishing expeditions have gone pretty poorly. When I was a kid, we would go up to my great-grandmother's lake, and, and she had this property with a, a nice lake on it and this small little rowboat, and, and there were lily pads lining the, the, the coast of the lake, and the goal was to get into the boat, to get about 30 feet away from the lily pads, and then cast as close as you possibly could, because that's where the bass were, but you didn't want to wind up in the lily pads. My dad had to put up with the fact that he had a 12-year-old, a 10-year-old, and a 3-year-old in the boat with him. And so as we're trying to get as close to the lily pads without actually going into the lily pads, you can imagine there were plenty of times where, where it was short. Certainly there were the ones that went short, but then there were the ones that went into the lily pads. And yes, there was the, the rare errant one that went up into the tree that was overhanging the lily pads. But that was the whole goal. The idea was that if we just get close enough, if we just do the right thing, if we're just in the right spot, then, then we are 100% certain to catch a big fish. As we look at our reading today from, from Luke chapter 5, we see that when Jesus commissions and calls the people to be fishers of men, when he, when he brings in these disciples and tells them they're going to go out and now catch people, he makes no such promises of being able to hit the right spot. And yes, and if you do this, 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 and this, you are going to, to be able to bring in the masses. Jesus doesn't make that type of promise. Hear what Jesus says in Luke chapter 5. Please stand for the reading of the gospel as we honor the words and works of Christ while he was here on earth. One day, as Jesus was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, the people were crowding around him and listening to the word of God. He saw at the water's edge two boats left there by fishermen who were washing their nets. He got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, and asked him to put out a little from shore. And he sat down and taught people from the boat. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into deep water and let down the nets for a catch. Simon answered, Master, We've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything, but because you say so, I will let down the nets. When they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. So they signaled their partners in the other boat to come and help them, and they came and filled both boats so full they began to sink. When Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, Go away from me, Lord, I am a sinful man. For he and all his companions were astonished at the catch of fish they had taken. And so were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, Simon's partners. Then Jesus said to Simon, don't be afraid. From now on, you will fish for people. So they pulled their boats up on shore, left everything, and followed him. This is the gospel of our Lord. You, you may be seated. It's stunning. The catch of fish today is, is so stunning, and it's stunning for, for a variety of reasons. The first one, these disciples knew what they were doing. They were fishermen by trade. It was like Jesus showing up to your place of business and telling you how to do your job. They knew what they were supposed to be doing. They knew where to cast. They knew when to cast. They knew how the lake worked. They, this was their livelihood. And so the idea that Jesus would show up and say, you know what, it is time to put, put your net down on the other side of the boat 
initially you might think is laughable, but instead the disciples said, because you say so, we'll go ahead and do that. And that tracks back to the fact that they had, they had heard of Jesus a little bit. Jesus had done a few other miracles. He had done some, some small things so that the, the, the rumblings about him are, are beginning to start. And, and so they know to a certain degree who they are dealing with, but maybe they haven't completely seen it with their own eyes or maybe not to the full, the full breadth that maybe, maybe it would become. And they see it on full display. They see a miracle happen before their eyes, and, and, and that's what has to, to, to be the conclusion from Simon Peter. This has to be a miracle because he knows that there is no way on earth that that would have ever happened in a natural way. He knows that, that if he would have just kept trying all night, you know what, if, if the sea is dead, the sea is dead. There's not going to be a whole lot of bites to be had there. They can wait for another day till the conditions are right and, and things are a little bit better. But instead, Jesus says, no, 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 you're going to continue to do the same thing you've done over and over and over again. And this time... It's going to work. Why? Because they found the right spot? Absolutely not. Because the Lord of glory, the Lord of glory is what caused the job to get done. And so they bear witness to this miracle and they realize that, that, that Jesus is exactly who he says he is. We sometimes talk about the, 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 the three reasons that Jesus Jesus does miracles, and, and this one we see on full display. He is doing it so that these men look at him and they go, you've got to be him. You've got to be the one that we're looking forward to because you are able to do something that is so remarkable, so stunning, that we have to, we have to come to the conclusion that it is you who is working a miracle and not just by happenstance are we so successful. And as they see this, this stunning miracle Peter falls down at Jesus' feet and, and is ready to just give everything to him. And then, Jesus does a little bit of an occupation change. He says, you're done fishing for fish. You are now going to fish for people. Can you imagine how intimidating that would be for Peter? That's all he knew how to do. Peter didn't have a degree from the seminary. Peter wasn't a scholar. He wasn't a scribe. Peter didn't have the gifts. He didn't have the talents. But by looking at Peter as an objective viewer, you would see Jesus calling and commissioning him, and you would say, no, 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 Jesus, not him. There are a thousand other people that are more qualified than Peter to do the type of work that you're talking about. Go Go call a Pharisee, a Sadducee, somebody that's got, somebody that's got some, some teeth, that understands this stuff really, really well, that, that knows the prophecies extraordinarily well. Don't, don't call a fisherman. That occupation change isn't exactly going to be a, a swift or an easy one. And yet Jesus does call Peter. And Peter gives up everything. And he follows him. And as we look at our reading for today, we can't help but, but see the parallels between what Jesus is calling the disciples to do and his call to us as well. And it would be so easy to just sort of write a sermon that says, you know what, the sin that we find in this sermon, the, the law that we find in this set of passages is certainly when we just don't tell people about Jesus, right? 
when we just, when we just keep our mouths shut and, and we're not willing to speak up for Jesus, that's the sin, that's the law, isn't it? I just need to tell more people about Jesus. Thank you very much, Pastor. Amen. But let's go a step further. I think something that sometimes we get hung up on are programs. When Jesus commissions these disciples, he says, you are now going to fish for people. He is calling them into a people business. This church is a people business. When I was at the seminary and, and, and I said I wanted to be a pastor and I was giving myself uh, to, to the assignment committee, they said, you are going to be in a people business. So if you don't like people, you probably should find a different business. Because everything we do here is about people. And I wonder sometimes, do we sometimes lose track of the fact that Jesus has called us to fish for people and not numbers? It's easy as a church to get hung up on the empty seats. Well, if we could just fill this number of seats, then we'll be good. If we can just hit this number as far as the budget goes, then we'll be good. If we can just feel like we've got a successful this program or that program, if we, just, if we have a Christmas Eve service that's nice and, and packed, then we'll feel good. If we, if we just do this, that, or the other thing, then, then ministry will finally be good. It'll finally be us accomplishing what we're supposed to do. And, if, and on top of that, if we are able to do all of this stuff with excellence— then God will almost certainly bless it and bring in people by the thousands. We'll have to build a new church. Everything will be hunky-dory because guess what? We've got this program or that program. And it's an easy thing for churches to do to get, to get hung up on, on numbers. And instead of viewing the lost souls of Aiken, South Carolina, it's so easy to lose, to view lost souls as just another number. But Jesus says, I'm... I'm commissioning you into a people business. And I think sometimes that's a really intimidating thought for us. And do you want to know why? People are messy. People have baggage. People have stories that maybe you'd rather not hear. I was at a, a meeting around the corner at one of the local establishments and we were, we were sitting there talking about some of the things going on at Peace and, and a gentleman just kind of came over and he, he asked us for some help and we gave him some help. Uh, we bought him a beverage and he sat down next to us. And my goodness, I have never sat through a 25-minute conversation like that one. It was off-the-walls bananas. He was weaving in and out. He was, he was using gratuitous obscenities. We were, we were talking about things from, from, from life to, to religion all the way to drugs to murder. We were talking about it all. And I looked across the table and I went, wow, baggage upon baggage upon baggage. And at that moment, what do you do? You kind of fold your arms and you go, wow, there's a, there's a lot to unpack here. I'm not really sure we have time to take care of all of the things that are going on in your life. At that moment, all you can do is tell them that Jesus loves them, that he died for him. All we can do is trust in the power and the promises that Jesus gives to us through the Holy Spirit. And instead of making it about a number, we see a person across from us the exact same way that Jesus saw us first, broken, messy, and full of baggage desperately needing something more in this life, desperately needing something to hang our eternity on. 
And that's exactly what Jesus did. He placed someone in our lives, whether it was from the time we were itty-bitty to, to, to just recently, Jesus put somebody in our lives who maybe didn't, didn't entirely know what the rest of your life was going to look like, who didn't have any promises that you were going to come to faith, but knew that God was going to work through his word. And so God placed somebody in our lives to bring that word to us. Dear brothers and sisters in Christ, when Jesus says that we are going to be fishers of people, that we are going to be called into the ministry of, of, of casting out lines and throwing down nets, hoping, just hoping that people will understand the love that Jesus has for them, we don't go into it alone. We go into it with every single promise uttered by the lips of our Lord Jesus. We go with it, go into it with the promises that the prophets made to us from God from, from thousands of years ago. We go into it with strength, with confidence, not in our own gifts and abilities, but in the fact that Jesus promises that he is going to be there working through your words when you are bringing the word of God to those around you. I think sometimes wonder, people wonder, does God call the equipped or does he equip the called? Essentially what, what that is to ask is, does God, does God look around and go, mm, you seem like you would be good to reach out to the lost. You seem like you would be good to reach out to the lost. The rest of you can go home. Or does he call all of us into this ministry and say, don't you dare worry about it the same way that Peter had no skills for this ministry and maybe the same way that you have no skills for this ministry, I am going to give you absolutely everything you need to share your faith, to spread this life-giving gospel to people that, that maybe have never heard it before. Maybe they've even heard about Jesus, but, but for the life of them, they've never, never understood grace in their entire life. You, dear brothers and sisters, by virtue of of the faith that God placed in your hearts, faith in an undying promise that Jesus has made to you and sealed through his life, death, and resurrection. By virtue of that promise, you have been called into this harvest field. And Jesus says, if you don't know what to do, that's okay. I'm the one that equips the called. I had a buddy that, that told me, that when he was going through his budget through, with his church, uh, it got to the evangelism part of the budget, to which he, he stood across the table from uh, the, the board of elders that he had, and he said, you know what, I don't think we need to put any money into the evangelism budget. And his board of elders just kind of stopped and looked at him, and he goes, you don't need money to open your mouth. I thought that was interesting because at the same time, I, we do have an evangelism budget here, which I'm very thankful for because there are very lovely opportunities that we have to bring people in connection, build relationships with those people. But isn't that the truth? We could have program after program. We could throw dollar after dollar. But just as the, the letter to the Romans today said, as Paul wrote to that church, if people don't hear the message of good news, how on earth are they going to believe it? If they just see programs, how is that going to, to bring them closer to their Savior? If one of us went out and told somebody about Jesus today, and then both of you told somebody about Jesus tomorrow, and then all four of you told somebody about Jesus the next day, do you know how quickly 
we would be able to evangelize to the entire town of Aiken? Eight days. Eight days it would take. Do you know how long it would take to do the whole world? Just about a month. God has given you a, a special gift, and that is faith and a promise that isn't just for you, but is for everyone. As you are called to, to, to throw out the net, to cast that fishing pole, Jesus doesn't say, and, and you're supposed to do it with your charm, with your good attitude, with a smile on your face. Jesus doesn't say that I'm going to make it between you and them, and if, if you're not able to seal the deal, then, man, you're just not very good at this. Jesus sends you forward with a promise, with a truth. Not that something could be theirs, but that something is already theirs. That salvation is won and secured. You don't have to go forward and say, you know what, if you just do this, 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 and this, you're going to be saved. You get to go out and tell your neighbor, your family member, your colleague at work, you get to tell that person something has been done for them and there's not one iota left for them to do. That's a special promise. Because that promise, that promise gives peace, joy, and comfort to a town, to a family, to friends that, that so desperately need it. As Jesus talks to his disciples, we hear Peter say, go away from me. I'm a sinner. And it's because he's just aware of the fact that maybe, maybe he, he isn't the most qualified. Not by virtue of his skills, but by the fact that he's a sinner. He just says, you know what, God, go find somebody else. Jesus chose him. And today, my peace family, Jesus has chosen you. Has chosen you and called you out of darkness for a purpose. And now he says to you this awesome sometimes frustrating, beautiful, sometimes irritating work of bringing others in from the harvest field, of casting the lines. That work is yours. God could have created some new being to carry out his work. God could have used the angels. God could have lit up the skies with, with Gabriel and, the, and another host of angels across Achan and said, I'm going to use them in order to bring the multitudes into me. But instead, he said, I don't want to use them. I want to share this ministry of recon reconciliation with those that I have already reconciled to myself. That's awesome. That God would choose sinners like Peter, sinners like you and I to go forward in joy, knowing that, that, that the full weight of God is behind us. That he has given us a, a, a word in which he will condescend from heaven. He will come down to heaven from heaven and work in the very word as you are speaking it to others. Dear friends, no, you're not very qualified for this. I'm not very qualified for this. But God doesn't just call the qualified into his harvest field. He doesn't just call the qualified to be fishers of people. He calls all of his children to do that. Because by being a child of God, you are the most qualified person to go talk about your faith with others. 
He doesn't ask for results. He doesn't tell you that if you don't find 5, 10, 15, 100 people to, to bring to him over the course of your life, then you're a failure. He, he doesn't talk that way. All Jesus says, put another line in the water. Dear friend, throw down the net. That's all he's called us to. May God give us the strength to do that in our daily lives. Amen.